Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Welcome to another edition of the Shea Hello podcast. My name is Casey Lynn. I am joined by my co-host, Bill Pulsifer. And first of all, Bill, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. How about yourself? I am pretty good. Can you believe that this is already episode number nine? Flying by. It really is. Uh, This will be, I believe, our last recording while the regular season is still going on. The next time that we do record, uh, the Mets will not be playing, unfortunately, (laughs) as they did not make the playoffs, as we all know. Um, So a little bittersweet, but as we mentioned before, there's always something and many things to talk about when it comes to Mets baseball and, you know, hot stove for the Mets is always really hot. Should be an interesting off season. It really should. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who is watching us on our YouTube channel by typing in on YouTube at Shea Hello Media. And if you are listening, we are on all po- uh, podcast platforms, which is uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we are on it, Shea Hello Podcast. So uh, thank you for all watching or listening. And also a big shout out to Steve White behind the scenes, our producer. Uh, he has his company out that I would be remiss if I didn't mention. It is Roots-Recordings, or I'm sorry, Root-Recordings.com. Type that in on your computer, on your phone, and uh, give it a little look. Again, Root-Recordings.com. That is our producer, Steve White, uh, behind the scenes. So, Bill, uh, here we are a week to go in the regular season. Mets have been eliminated from the playoffs. And there's a couple things that are going on. Before we go into uh, grading some of these uh, players as we look back on the 2023 season, um, it's, it's one of those things, and we talked about this before, it's bittersweet because I believe if the Mets didn't have their quote-unquote fire sale at the deadline, they would be right in the thick of things right now for that last wild card spot or even the fifth wild card spot because the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, you know, the Marlins, the Reds, all those teams that are going for those last two spots, in my opinion, are mid 
They're average, 86 wins, you know, might get them in. So it's a little bitter, a little bittersweet. Um, but as we talked about, a little pain for a lot of game. They got a lot of prospects. And, you know, seeing a Justin Verlander the other night go eight innings, one run against the Mariners, it, it's like, wasn't he just the Met for like a day? You know, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on what are the emotions that you feel as a as a fan, you know, as a player back in the day where you thought your teams could go further than given the possibility by your owner or something like that. What what are you feeling right now? Um, I mean, obviously, the end of the baseball season, win or lose, you, you always kind of feel a little of an emptiness knowing that uh, you're not going to have any baseball around till the mid- middle of February when uh, pitchers and catchers report. So. Um, obviously a little sad at the end of the year. Obviously we still have some playoff baseball to enjoy. It's just not going to be, uh, with the, the New York Mets ball club. Um, I was, I was a little surprised, uh, at the sell off, I guess, but I guess, um, the, uh, the powers that be felt that the need for the future, uh, was more important, um, than this season, which is understandable, I guess. Uh, they did get a lot of prospects. Uh, with all the uh, anticipation of the season this year, it was obviously a letdown for, for everybody, the, the ball club, the fans, um, just everybody in general. I think baseball is better when the Mets are, are is more exciting. And that's not just as a Mets fan, but I think when the Mets are involved, I think the baseball season is more exciting. So a little bit of a letdown, but um, I guess there's probably a little relief that it's going to be over with and uh, they can start looking towards. <sighs> the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... They did get a lot of prospects, and not every prospect, of course, pans out. Uh, but they got so many just by the numbers, you would think maybe one or two. Uh, my, I don't know if you've been following the minor leagues uh, just because, you know, SNY and Mets Twitter is, you know, all over following these guys that they traded Verlander and Scherzer and Canna and Fan for. Uh, but, uh, you know, Drew Gilbert, who they got in the Verlander trade, he looks like a stud. He was the number one draft pick for the Astros. And I don't know if you're familiar with this name, Jet Williams, the yes. 22, uh, 2022 first round draft pick for the Mets, yep. homegrown, yep. only 19. That's a player, regardless of the trades, that uh, we could be seeing next year, along with Drew Gilbert. I mean, this guy, he was named Mets Minor League Player of the Year offensively. And I mean, he's got an OPS of around 900, uh, 930, and he's not even a power hitter. The guy's a walk machine, um, 19 years old. Uh, so, you know, just going back and putting a bow on what we were talking about, the future is bright, but yeah, there's an emptiness. The Mets are not in the playoffs, but it's just seeing these other teams, like I said, the Cubs and the Reds, Diamondbacks, like, you know, if the Mets held on to a Verlander, you know, uh, who knows? I've always said, get in, get hot, be healthy. You can win the whole damn thing. So, you know, but there's a lot to look forward to, like a Jet Williams. He is, he looks like the real deal. Yeah, he's had a tremendous year in the minor leagues and is just moving himself up rather quickly. Um, the only, only thing that's a little worrisome is we can't go from uh, late 30 guys, 40-somethings to everybody's 20, 20 years old, too. You know, you got to have a, a fine balance there, obviously. Hopefully... Pete gets gets his contract done, and uh, they're going to have some veteran presence. But we can't have five and six and seven guys that are twenty to twenty two years old in the lineup either. I don't believe that's a recipe for for winning uh, winning playoff yeah. games and making it where where we would like to see the ball club. And that's just another reason to sign Pete. You know, Pete's been in what is going to be his uh, you know fifth or next year his sixth full year. Uh, you can't call him a veteran just yet, but he would have a presence, obviously. 
uh, it can't be all baby Mets or, you know, young prospects. Yeah, it's, it's not that easy to throw a bunch of 20 young, young 20-year-olds out there and expect them to, to compete at the level that the, the organization is expecting themselves to compete at. Speaking of baby Mets, the last time we, uh, we had uh, you on the podcast, we talked about Beatty and Vientos and how Beatty was sent down to the minors. Uh, and now here we are. And you said competition was good for a Beatty or a Vientos. And look what's happened. Vientos, nine home runs as we talk right now. And, and Beatty, eight, you know, and there's a little, they're good friends. They came up along in the minors together. It looks like the competition I mean, you you would know. I mean, I would know, and I'm not. I wasn't even a professional athlete. Competition does spark a lot of things. Well, it's going to make sure you're getting your work in. You know, there's a, you know complacency allowed when you've got somebody breathing down your neck, obviously. And uh, young Mauricio's obviously came up and played a, a pretty good, pretty good third base as well. He looks he looks pretty solid over there and, and making the plays and making everything kind of look the way it's supposed to look. So uh, there's definitely competition. Uh, like we said before, a lot of the trades kind of there's going to be a lot of competition for, for infield spots, you know, or somebody, you know, you think you can just plug guys in the outfield or that's not the case necessarily. You know, it's not that easy, especially if you haven't been doing it for a long period of time. And then say you're going to learn how to play the the outfield, the major league level, you can't expect somebody to do that. So there is definitely going to be some competition. I like what I've seen from Mauricio at third base, but I don't know where that puts uh, Vientos and Beatty at this point. Well, I talked about on the uh, last week on our eighth uh, podcast. I can't believe we're at number nine already. But um, the Mets have now uh, they have depth, so they actually can make trades now from a PowerPoint yes. where they all their prospects are basically up, like Beatty, Vientos, Mauricio, uh, Alvarez, of course, and now they have a second tier of guys that they trade in, and even the Jet Williams, you know, or pitchers, you know, Christian Scott, Mike Vassell, who have come up. Uh, you know, they can, like you said, you can't just plug players wherever you want. So Vientos to me doesn't really have a position, whether it be third or first. He's more of a DH. I could see a Vientos maybe being shopped in the winter if yeah. they want some pitching help. I don't know. I, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys, uh, even some of the prospects they traded for, you know, they, 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 def- they definitely have some bargaining chips now that they didn't have. Uh, some of the guys like Vientos and Beatty, it'll even put Mauricio in there just for the sake of argument. They now have, have got some big league time. So some teams have got a chance to, to see them play at the big league level and know that they're not trying to plug maybe possibly trying to plug a minor league or quote unquote minor leaguer in. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some of those guys are involved in trades for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it will be fascinating. There's a lot to go on in uh, the hot stove for the Mets. As we know, Mets for clicks, it never stops with reporters. And it just helps that the Mets have a, basically have to fill up their entire roster uh, once again, not their entire roster, but you know, uh, bullpen and uh, pitching, starting pitching staff is a big deal. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Should be uh, fun to watch. Uh, Let's do a 180 real quick as we talk about the future, but we also have to talk about what was 2023 as the season unwinds. Uh, I'll start with this. We're not going to do every player. We'll just, Mm -hmm. I'll throw out some names that are bigger names and we'll both give them a grade. Um, A being a plus being the best F being the worst Uh, of, and and no one's wrong. Uh, We'll just throw out some names and we'll just give them a grade in our own opinions and maybe why. Let's uh, let's start off with a Max Scherzer. 
Um, <laughs> no, no longer with the team. Uh, and we're just going off of 2023, mm-hmm. mind you, not, not last year when the Mets won 101 games. I'll, I'll start it off. Uh, he, uh, he got hurt. He got banned for sticky stuff. He came up short in the bigger games, I guess, around the deadline, if the Mets had any bigger games this year. Um, and, I, you know, I'm torn on giving him a bad grade and a, or an average grade. So I'll just go and I'm going to give him a C. Uh, which is average. I wasn't too thrilled about what he said after he got traded, airing the dirty laundry behind the scenes with uh, Epler. And on the field, yeah, if you look at his stats, they were okay. But, you know, when we needed him at the the biggest spots, he didn't come through. Uh, so I would give him Max Scherzer for 2023 a C. Obviously, he's hurt for the rest of the year with the uh, Rangers. He's done. And that doesn't apply to this. Uh, we did get Acuna. Uh, we'll see how he acts, uh, plays. But yeah, for me, Max Scherzer, see, what about you? Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I think you can go back to last year and I know we're not giving a grade for last year, but I don't think Max Scherzer has been healthy for no. well over a year now. So I think C is a fair grade, but I also think that maybe incomplete might be a fair assessment as well, because I don't think you got to see, uh, after he pulled his, uh, oblique last year, his lat last year, I don't think yeah. that he was ever the same. And I don't think that the offseason got him all the way back to 100%. So he definitely battled. You know, he battled. But um, I think C's a fair grade. But I think if I really was to give the grade, I would probably go with incomplete. Okay. Yeah. He, he was, we could tell he was not 100%. His body was. And he might not betray. ever. Yeah. He might not ever be 100% again. You know, he might, it might be, do, guys do get old, unfortunately. Uh, we father time takes you know everybody he wins every time eventually you, you can't def- right you can't defeat him yeah. uh how about kodai sanga that's a good one what that would you give a very him? good one i think he's been very good um i would say obviously early in the year we would like to see more more innings early in the year um you gotta have to learn how to throw on the every five days unless the you know unless somehow they go to a six-man rotation but I give him a nice solid B plus for Kodai Senga. Okay. Uh, you know, Senga's not going to win the rookie of the year. He would if Corbin Carroll didn't exist. Corbin Carroll with the Diamondbacks will win it. Uh, you know, Senga's going to get Cy Young votes. He's third in the National League in ERA. Uh, you know, his ghost fork, obviously, is the number one pitch in terms of whiff rate. Uh, opponent's batting average is number one against him. Striking everybody out. He's surpassed the Mets rookie record. Uh, B plus, I think is fair. Only I, I'm not, I'm gonna agree with you on a B plus, and only because I would love to give him an A minus or an A because he he's had a great year. He he really has. He's basically solidified himself as an ace. His numbers prove it. He goes out, I believe, 15 straight games now uh, as a starting pitcher. It's been three runs or less, three earned runs or less, which is an amazing run. Um, but the reason I'll agree with the B plus not better is because he has to pitch every six. He's going every sixth day, you know, and that compromises your starting rotation, whether you, if you have to go to a six man. Yeah. Uh, so that's why that's a good point. Um, he'll have to figure that out. I like B plus too, uh, because I think there's still some, there's still something there for him to, to achieve. Strive for years to come. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's go to some offensive players. Um, I think that we should start with, uh, 
man, should we get a little morbid on this or should we keep it happy uh, and uh, fun? Let's <laughs> let's go find Pete Alonzo. Screw it. You know, it's a complicated one with Pete. Um, I don't know if you want to start it off. Go or ahead. Else, you so. go ahead. You go ahead first. His power numbers, of course, are there. You know, 45 home runs, 115 RBIs. He's the only player in Mets history that had 315 RBI seasons. He's tied for fourth in Mets all-time home runs already. I've said it every podcast. Those power numbers, 40 to 50 with 120 RBIs, they don't grow on trees. But this year, his average is terrible. He's not hitting to right center. He's not coming up clutch. But his average, uh, his uh, power numbers are there. His fielding is fine. I have no problems with him at first base. Uh, he's a leader. You know, he's a little politically correct right now after the games because he's got a contract year coming up, and I understand that. Uh, but if you just look at the stats and the OPS and the, the home run numbers, you know, those are great, and they always will be there. What I, I just can't – and I love Pete ever since he came up in 2019. But for him – I, I for a guy that's hitting like 220, it's tough to get around a guy that's literally hitting 220. Uh, I'm gonna go. This is gonna. I hate myself for doing this because I love Pete. And again, these power numbers don't grow on trees. I mean, he is. It's not that easy. Argu- he's arguably the best power hitter over the last five years in baseball. Uh, I'm gonna have to give him a B minus for two, 2023. How about you? Um, I'm right here. I'm right there with you. Uh, I think due to the lack of or the drop, the drastic drop in the batting average over the last two years to this year, I got to cut him a little bit of slack, obviously, because we don't know how injured he was when he came back trying to, to be a hero a little bit and try to be the leader that he is. I'm fluctuating here between C plus and B minus just Ooh. because I'm going to say C plus only because I okay. know that I know that he could be a 270 hitter. I know he can do that. I believe that. I believe that. Um, but I do think that the wrist injury did cause him yes. some problems. And I think he came back too soon and he went into a really big slump when he came back. Cause I'm sure his wrist was killing him. So I'm going to say C plus. Okay. B minus. I can't get B minus is probably yeah, yeah. fair though. I can't fault you for C plus. I said B minus and you bring up a great point that I forgot to bring up and stupid me. That's a huge part of his season. He got hit on the wrist by Charlie Morton came back in the 10 days that he was allowed to be on the IL probably rushed it. And like you said, he was terrible for a month after he probably came back too soon. And you know, that cost him a lot. I, I got to say this for about Pete though, because the amount of times that he gets balls up and in towards his face and his hands and all that, it takes some serious balls to be getting back in there. Every, you know, he doesn't move. He hasn't changed his approach at all. So I, I, I do tip my hat to him for being, being tough. And uh, going yeah. out there and trying to do it with a hurt wrist and and not never giving down, never yeah. backing, backing down. It's a pre- it's a perfect segue because the Mets I like to call them and you know the ad, the the old adage is gamers in baseball. Mets got a lot of gamers. They got Lindor, they got Pete, they got McNeil. These guys and Nimmo, Nimmo. Yeah. These guys are all going to play over 150 games this year. Uh, McNeil, who we're going to go to next, uh, he's played in every single game but one. And he's played every position imaginable other than basically catcher and pitcher. Yeah, catcher and pitcher. He, yeah. First base. Uh, it, he's played first base, like yeah, an but, inning or two. Yeah. He's played an inning at short. I mean, he's been 
everywhere. And he's he just plays a baseball e- player. He's a ball yes. player. Yes. Yeah. And he plays every day his year. Now let's go into Jeff McNeil. Now, coming off a batting title, I don't know if you want to take this one first. He's not had the Jeff McNeil year that we all thought he would. You want to take this one first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. I mean, obviously coming off of a batting title and um, struggling, quote unquote, struggling uh, at the plate like he kind of kind of has this year, relatively speaking, to his, his past. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'm like you. I'm a Mets fan, so I don't want to be too harsh on guys. You're allowed but, to be. Um, I got to go see. I got to go see with him. I got to give yeah. him a seat possible C plus, you know, I mean, we're expecting 285 plus out of the batting average from him. I don't know how much it bothers him. And I'm sure he would never say anything about the changing positions on a nightly basis. It can't be easy, you know, because most of the majority of major league baseball players are kind of pigeonholed into their position and their spot in the lineup for the most part. So I know that's not easy for him, but um, I, I'm a, I'm still a batting average guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I got to say C. I got to say C. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tough one because on one hand, you have a guy that plays every day, is playing every position. Oh, you know, uh, Mauricio comes up. We can move Jeff into left field or right field. Or, you know, Nimmo needs to play left field to give his knees and his legs a little, uh, you know, shot, a little rest. So put Jeff in center. He's never played there. Those are yeah. great attributes to have. But coming <clears throat> off a batting title, where he hit 326, I believe, something around there. And then he got the contract. Now he signed a team-friendly contract, but that money is life-changing money, obviously, Absolutely. you know, in real people's view, uh, lives. For him to be batting, I think it's around 270 now. He's had a great August and September. He's moved it up. All right, little... C plus, C plus, <laughs> C plus. You talked me into it now. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I, oh, but, but I wasn't finished. The thing, Jeff always has those nagging injuries. That we always see. But this year, he's played every game but one. So whatever they might have been, you know, he's playing through it. Now, I'm not saying he's hurt. Everybody's hurt in September, you know. Um, If I had to – man, this is the toughest one I think I could give. Because he – he's coming off his best year and it was smart for him to sign that contract when your stock is as high as it was winning a batting title – but his OPS is barely 700. He's not hitting. He's starting to hit for power in August and September. But, you know, 270, and it was basically around 250 the whole year off a batting title. Uh, I'll go see. I'm going to go a little worse than people might have thought I would. And it hurts. It, it breaks me to do that. But right. you can't have a guy who's part of your core that you just gave a big contract to in terms of years and win a batting title. And basically suck for the majority of the year offensively. Fifty points is a big difference. Obviously, fifty it, points is a, is, a, is a real big difference. <clears throat> but people good, say batting average doesn't matter, but I don't. I don't believe that at all. I don't. I don't buy that. I, I, I'm with you. It does matter. Of course, it matters. I mean, it mattered for a hundred years. So why doesn't it matter now? You know, uh, I, I just when you drop that much in batting average and it's the whole year and. Now that you're out of it, you can pad your stats. You can say whatever you want. All this power now, I believe, is up to ten home runs. Little too li- little, too much, too late. So, or too little, too late, I should right. say. Um, Part of me McNeil- wonders about him was how much golf does he play? Because I know I've heard people say it doesn't matter. I would say it doesn't matter if you're a pitcher, but if you're swinging a golf club and you're swinging a bat, it's two completely different swings. I don't know if that has something to do with it or not, but uh, I know he's Ses- an avid golfer. 
Yeah, he's. He, I don't know if he put the clubs down. You know, back in our day, you would hear so. Oh, well, they they told him you can't bring the clubs on the on the road anymore. You don't hear those kinds of things. So I, I I've wondered that how much how much golf does he play and how much it's got a it's a different swing. It's different. Yeah, he he could go pro if he wanted to. He's a great golfer. Cespedes, you bring you know yep. he did that. He, he they told him Cespedes every game, home or away, would bring his clubs with him. Find tee time nine a.m. for a seven o'clock game, you know, and do a whole eighteen. Uh, holes and the Mets told him, "Yo, literally, yo, <laughs> Cespedes, you gotta, you gotta calm it down. You know, yeah. I know hot, uh, eye hand coordination in golf and baseball very similar, and you know all that. Well, I guess but, with, the, with the launch angle swings nowadays, yeah. the uh, the golf swing is a little more similar similar to the baseball swing than it ever has been. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll do one more. Uh, you want to pick the player? That you well, I'm like sure you're get? dying. I'm sure you're dying to do Lindor. So let's do Lindor. All right. Because we're going to leave Vogel back alone, right? Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that between us. Uh, we'll go Lindor. Uh, I'll, I'll start it off. Yep. Lindor, Lindor's had a great year. Uh, you know, he broke his own record for home runs as a shortstop for a Met. Uh, he's a, a pro, I don't think he's going to get it as we record this. He's got 30 uh, stolen bases, I believe 27 home runs. Very close to the 30-30 club, which is very exclusive. Howard Johnson obviously has done it three times. Uh, it's hard to do. Uh, he'll probably come up short. And I believe he's also got 30 doubles, which would be a 30-30-30 club. Uh, he plays great defense. Uh, he's streaky, just like Alonzo. You know, uh, he's got more power from the right side, which is odd because he plays every day. That's another plus for him. He plays every day. Uh you know, as a right-handed batter, you see fewer left-handed pitchers. Uh, but he's had a great year. You, you know, when all said and done, he's gonna—he's had above-average numbers, all-star numbers, basically the best shortstop in the National League, if not baseball. Corey Seager might have something to say to that with the Rangers. But overall, defense, leadership, offensively, he's streaky. He's a leader, though, after every loss, you know, um, says all the right things. If I had to give him a grade for 2023, man, because it's a lot like 2022, you know, I'll go, I'll go A-, you know, there's not much more Lindor other than cutting down on the streaks of him being hot and cold that he has other to prove. I mean, he's done it all. Uh, So it leaves an improvement for an A or an A+. So I'll go A-, and that's probably the best anyone's going to get. Uh, what about you, Bill? Okay, I'm going to be a little more, a little more critical when it comes to uh, my grading. All the things you said, I totally agree with. Playing every single day, um, going out there, being a leader. Two things I feel like he needs to improve is we got to cut down on the strikeouts. You know, he's not a an, an Aaron Judge, a six foot five, six foot six guy that you know hits 50, 60 home runs. I'd like to see him sit around 25 home runs and bring that batting average up to 285 or higher and cut the strikeouts down. Um, okay. I just don't, I don't see him as a home run hitter. I see him trying to hit home runs. It'll be <laughs> interesting to see what this, um, this week is now that you said he's three home runs away from 30. Let's see how he approaches the games and what he tries to do. Um, I'm going to give him a B because of those okay. two things. I think that, the strikeouts need to go down hopefully next year. 
and I'd like to see the batting average up in the 285 range. You know, I mean, we talked about this before, and I know the game is different, and the pitching is is different than than it was years ago. But these superstars, the quote unquote superstars, were 330, 340. These, I mean, these batting averages are. We got to we got to get close. We got to get closer. You know, 250 is not a superstar no. batting average. No, me, which is, no. It just is not. Even totally in this day agree. and age, you know, because we'll use Aaron Judge as an example. He hits a bunch of home runs, but the guy's hitting all close to 300 all the time as well. Yeah. So I think that those two things are going to keep it at a B for me. I'd like to see the batting average higher and the strikeouts cut down on. Defense Very... great, plays every day. Tip your hat yep. to the guy. I'd like to see those two things a little bit better next year. Yeah, uh, I, I can't fault you for the B. Those are all fair points. And, uh, you know, maybe next year he'll he'll cut down on the strikeouts. You know, he's a veteran player, obviously. So uh, we'll see what's in store for Lindor. He's not going anywhere. Nope. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, some hot, trendy topics right now in uh, Metsville in terms of, you know, they unofficially hired David Stearns. They can't officially announce it to the regular season's over, but for all intents and purposes, David Stearns, as we talked about, is the new player of baseball operations. Now, the question is, the, I, I don't know if you agree with this, the first order of business for Stearns, who in the world is going to manage this team? You got to have your manager and coaching staff obviously in place before you're going to start looking at free agents or all that kind of stuff. So, Three names that I'm going to throw out there. His boy in Milwaukee, Craig Council, who arguably is looked at as now one of the better managers in the NL, taking a low payroll in Milwaukee, winning every year. They won the division, or they're about to win the division, and they're in the playoffs every year. Uh, He could come along. He has rejected uh, a deal with the Brewers for now. I don't know if he's playing Chester Checkers with that. He's still going to sign there, but he rejected extension with Milwaukee. Uh, he could come along if the Mets say, Hey, you know, here's five years, 30 million. That would be the highest paid manager of baseball. I think Terry Francona is the highest paid manager of baseball and he's retiring. He makes 5 million a year. Uh, and then you have Buck who has one more year on his deal. I believe he's making three and a half million, but it's tough to bring in a guy as a lame duck manager, which right now he is, they haven't extended him for one year. And then the other name is Bob Melvin. The Padres arguably have had a worse year than the Mets. They had more talent on their team than the Mets, and they're not making the playoffs. And for all rumors, I'm not in the clubhouse. I can only speculate along with everybody else. Bob Melvin might be fired, and Bob Melvin is a hell of a manager. Uh, That would be a name to keep in mind. So out of those three guys, because I believe it would be one of the three, what are you thinking? What I what I think, and I like I like those three names. I think that if I was to pick one of them to go into the future, uh, I like Craig Council. I do like him. I think that he's a hard nosed old school guy um, who can do the new school thing. He's a lot younger than Buck. Uh, he's a lot, a lot younger than Bob Melvin as well. So he's a little closer to relating to the players still. Um, I do think that Buck's going to be the manager next year. I think that he was dealt a little bit of a raw hand or raw deal this year. There have definitely been some things that I question what's going on. The batting practice thing being one of them, like why do we not take batting practice and why is nobody out on the field uh, warming up before games? And if you're going to tell me the analytics guys are overruling the manager, then there's, there's got, that's, that seemed to be an issue. 
to me at least, but, um, you know, I'm not involved anymore. So, uh, maybe that's the way it works everywhere. I don't know, but, uh, that's, I do believe the buck's going to get a shot. You know, he did win a hundred ball games as the manager the previous year, raw deal this year, a lot of injuries, um, things didn't work out well. I mean, like we've talked about before Diaz getting injured before they even stepped on the field, pitching yep. staff, never, never being healthy together. Not even once this year. Right. Um, Bob Melvin, if there's problems in that clubhouse over there in San Diego with that, that's a little worrisome is that where he wasn't able to, uh, to get through to those guys, but some guys you're just not going to get through to. Right. So, uh, maybe unfair to judge him on that. I know I, Bob Melvin was a bench coach for me when I played with the Brewers. So I hi- highly respect him. I, you know, he's done some, so much great things with the, with the A's and that, but, um, he was kind of given, you know, given the, the keys to a brand new Lamborghini and, uh, it kind of, it kind of wrecked itself first year in. So, or second year, obviously, but this was kind of the first year where all those guys were together. So, uh, yep. I like Craig Council. I do think Buck's going to be the manager. Okay. I would tend to agree with you. Um, reports are from, I guess, and why 50 50 on Buck. No one knows anything. It really, David Stearns is, is the one who knows. Uh, I could see Buck for one more year, 2024, and then leading into a Craig Council. I mean, I would say maybe short leash, Buck, but short leash, you know? <laughs> yeah. And but then who replaces them? But yeah, you know, that's, then, that's, then, then you have the problem. Well, I mean, if Craig that, Council says that he's going to stay, is what he says he wants to be with his family and take a year off, then maybe you know things don't yeah. go well right off the sh- right off the bat next year. You got a guy sitting there and money talks and bullshit walks. Yep. He might say, you know what, I've spent a nice amount of time with my family right now. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. So and, and fun yeah, to talk money, about, fun to think about, but that that but, that could be an opening. Yeah, money talks. I mean, if you're Steve Cohen and, and David Stern says, I want counsel with me again here in New York, just make counsel say no to the biggest managerial contract ever. You know, five years, 30 million right there yeah. would be it. I uh, mean, obviously the Stern's tie together is, is huge. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. The, well, yeah, their whole career, his whole yep. career as a manager, it's David Stern. So, so the. Uh, I, I I could see Buck returning. We know what we get with Buck. I'm sick of it a little bit of, you know, no retaliation of being hit so much. And, you know, you could be the smartest man in the room in terms of he's a baseball encyclopedia, but there's so many other variables that come into it for a baseball team, 162 games and 184 days. You know, there's, as you know, there's so much more that goes into it other than just knowing all the rules. Yeah. So we, we know what we get with Buck. Uh, council could take the year off. We don't know. And 2025 would be a perfect year for him to come on in, you know? So we'll see what happens. I'll agree with you. I, I do think Buck will be back his last year. It's odd. They could give him an extension one year. So he's not a lame duck manager. Cause that's, you know, you don't really do that. Yeah. And then Steve will eat his three and a half million, you know, yeah. which is couch money for Steve. Right. So, right. uh, I just think he yeah. was given a little bit of a raw deal. He was dealt a bad hand. Obviously, we can agree on some, th- you know, we, there's some things that we don't like. But um, when you're winning, you, yep. you know, it kind of band patches things up a little bit. So winning is the biggest shot. winning is the biggest bandaid of all. You yes, know? it is. So uh, you spoke, you brought up the, the name Edwin Diaz. So it was announced that Diaz is not going to throw a game in 2023. Uh, he's healthy. I mean, He's ready. He's throwing bullpens every two days. He's traveling with the team. The Mets just, you know, made an announcement that 
he's not going to throw in a major league game this season. And he'll be ready for spring training. He's going to have a normal offseason. As a former pitcher and a pitcher who's come off uh, a big injury like yourself, now you didn't t- tear your knee uh, like Edwin, but injury is an injury. Uh, let me ask you, do you agree with that decision? Because we spoke about it briefly. Mentally, it was probably a good thing for Edwin to get into a game, regardless of what happened in the game. Uh, but they made the decision. Nope, you know, he's not going to throw. Uh, he'll be ready for spring training. What's your take on ultimately what the decision was for the Mets? I would think deep down, Edwin probably would would have liked to have got back out. I, mean, I think that was his goal when it all happened, right, was to pitch this year. Absolutely. At some point in time. And I don't think that's changed in his mind at all. I would think the the Mets are, as someone quote-unquote claiming he's healthy, okay, yeah, he's he's not structurally uh, damaged anymore. Is he 100%? Probably not. And I think that would be the reason why they would say, you know what, it's, just, it's not going to happen this year. I think that if it would have came down to they felt like he was 100%, you would have seen him go do a minor league, a quick little minor league uh, rehab. And the fact that he didn't do that, Says is he is he is he structurally sound? Yes, he's structurally sound right now. Is he ready for all out competition? I would say probably not, and that's probably the reason why they've decided. You know what? Let's not even risk you going out there and taking a, a wrong step or something and and having a setback. And then we we're, we're trying to rehab throughout the winter. So I would have liked to have seen him throw. I'm sure he wanted to throw, but I just yeah. don't think that um he was all the way back, which they didn't. You know, nobody expected that. He did. But that's what we do when we're players. I'll be back. I'm going to be back. That's just what we do. And and he came he as close as you could come you know throwing off the mound throwing ninety five well, throws and throws throws a little bit of you know winter ball go get a few innings in your with your team that you know that you grew yep. up playing with in the in the in the winter time hopefully he does that a little bit and um, comes back raring to go yeah in twenty twenty four just having a Diaz back it's mind boggling to think that we just went a whole season and we knew it was going to happen. Without the that best we closer in the game <laughs> video game numbers in twenty twenty two you know signed the, the biggest. Best signed the biggest contract ever for a reliever, and then boom, you know, the WBC said, you know, hold my beer. So yeah. uh, hopefully he'll be back to Edwin Diaz 2024. Uh, let, let's get into some uh, mailbag questions here on the Shalo podcast. Uh, we do this every uh, week. We ask on Twitter, uh, I posted on Shay Hello to ask us if you have any questions. We'll read them live here on the air. And here we go. Now we'll just do a couple, uh, and we'll start with uh, Jeff Cohen forty one. And again, all the questions are for Bill. Uh, it's Bill there. Yes, I'm here. Oh, I, I just lost you. <laughs> nope, I'm here. I don't know where you went, but uh, can't see you, but I can hear you. I'm here. So Jeff Cohen for Jeff Cohen forty one. Uh, he goes. What does a manager, aka Buck Walter or GM? Billy Epler, tell his players after the final game of the season? Well, I'm going to go from my experience first. Um, not a, I can't ever say that I had the general manager come into the, the clubhouse and say something. Not going to say that doesn't happen now. I don't know. But um, the manager might have something to say. General manager might have something to say. But if I, I would think that it would be something about the good thing about this year is that it's over. And we can all put it behind us now. And let's... Um, Let's take a little bit of time off to regroup physically and mentally and make sure that we come in, uh, get back out, get back in working, working out and getting ready and be as ready as you possibly can come to spring training so we can put this year completely behind us and get back to doing what we know that we're capable of doing. 
Okay. No, you just uh, appeared back on the camera. So Hello. nice to see you. Uh, we got another question uh, from MYMGI, your boy. My guy. Uh, he, he, yeah, your guy. Uh, he's got a good question. He's, he's he always up does. With, yeah, I'm interested for this one. How many players can you remember from your first start uh, oh Mets goodness. Astros, if you could remember both rosters, both starting lineups? Well, let's your go. First ever we'll, start. we'll go with the Mets first. Okay. Left field, Ryan Thompson. Okay. Center field, no. Left field, Bobby Bonilla. Center field, Ryan Tom, uh, Center field, Brett Butler. Right field, Ryan Thompson. Third base, Edgardo Alfonso. Shortstop, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Vizcaino? Jose Vizcaino, thank you. Second base, Jeff Kent. Uh, first base, Rico Brogna. Um, behind the plate, uh, Todd Hundley. Yep. And then uh, me on the hill. Right. Um, and this was, for everyone listening, 1995. Yes. Okay. Astros. Uh, Bagwell, obviously. Uh, Derek Bell. Uh, Craig Shipley. Oh. Um, who's the manager of the Angels right now? Bob, uh, Phil, Phil, Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin. And funny story about that. Phil Nevin. He, he didn't even make it through the first inning because he hit a foul ball off of his face, believe it or not. I threw a hard fastball that cut in. He fouled the ball off. It hit him in the head, and they took him out of the game. And that's Oof. when uh, Biggio, Biggio entered the game then. Right. <sighs> Man, I'd have to look it up the rest yeah. of the time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you coming up through the Mets and me being a Met fan, all the names you said with the Mets, you know, Obviously, yeah, Astros. Uh, Brian harder. Hunter. Brian Hunter. He was playing center field. Okay. Mm. Little I'm yeah. A, I'm drawing a blank on the rest of them. Who is their who who is their catcher? Was it Biggio then? Or no, Biggio was playing second base at that. He point. was already at second. He was he's at second at that yeah. point. Oh, Scott. Was it Scott Service? No. Nah. No, it couldn't be. He wasn't an Astro. No, he was Cardinal that beat the Mets in uh, 06 NLCS. Ugh. Remember those at bats? Doug Drayback on the mound. There you go. Yeah, great former uh, pirate, great pitcher. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Hey. I got, a, I got the whole. The, I got all the guys that really counted. <laughs> you got the whole Met starting lineup and most of the Astros. Most of the, so most of the Astros. That's that's a hell of a job. Good Thank job you. by you. Uh, let's go into our next segment as we wrap things up here, called Quick Pitches, where we ask Bill. He has no idea what questions are coming in right off the cuff. All right. Uh, and let's see if we could get. Him. First car you ever owned, Bill? What was it? That I bought myself or first car that I drove? That you bought yourself. Uh, Toyota 4Runner. I bought that when I got uh, drafted. Always okay. bought a 4Runner, and I made sure that uh, that's, that was my, my gift to myself when I got drafted. What was the first car you, you drove? First car that I drove was a Oldsmobile uh, 98, a silver one with a blue vinyl top. Okay. It was my dad's car, and he got a company car, so I, I started driving the, the Oldsmobile 98. It was an 88 98. <laughs> well, I think you you actually answered my next question. What was the first thing you did with your signing bonus? Yeah, Was it buy your your car? It was, and that was the plan uh, from, the, from the very beginning. I was going to buy a Toyota 4Runner, so I made that happen. And unfortunately, I got into a car accident. A lady hit me from behind oh. uh, and flipped the thing over twice. Whoa. And uh, luckily, not too injured, just a few stitches here and there. 
but uh, I did replace it with another forerunner. And okay. in my family with my wife, Michelle, she's since then has had three other forerunners and we have a forerunner out in the, uh, the driveway right now. You're keeping them in business, man. Yeah. That's, that's what six right there off the uh, There's at least five, if not six forerunners have, have been in our family between my, my wife and I. I, I, all right they must be we're apparently we should have a sponsorship going forward toyota for, for a toyota for yeah. a forerunner i mean it's too easy i'm gonna make it a is. call after this uh the last one two-parter okay what was if any your weirdest superstition on the field and part mm-hmm. two who had the weirdest that you saw weirdest superstition on the field okay I did have a weird superstition. I did it from the time I started till the time I finished playing independent league baseball when I was 37. And I would walk from the dugout at about 45 feet between home plate and first base. And I would make a footprint on one side of the foul line and one side in fair territory on the foul line. And I would dig my foot in the, in the ground just a little bit. So you could tell that those footprints were there and no matter what, as long as I was in that game, I would enter the field on those two footprints and I would leave the field on those two footprints. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, even I, and I remember specific times, let's say runner on second base and two outs and I give up a base hit up the middle. So I'm running back to cover uh, behind home plate to back up. Guy gets thrown out at the plate. I would walk back into fair territory, go walk to the 45 foot line and kind right. of take my two steps and so that was my weird superstition that I did from the time I started till the time I ended. It never changed. Uh, the weirdest one that I have seen from somebody else was Jose Bautista. No. Oh, what was his name? It's not Jose Bautista, but it was Bautista. He played with the Orioles and the Twins. He had the crazy batting stance. Tony. 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 Yes. Tony Bautista. Okay. So the first pitch of every game that he played you got to hope that the ball doesn't get hit to third base because as the ball was being delivered to home plate, he would stick his hands up in the air and his glove up in the air like he was praising God or something. I never asked him what exactly what it was because I did play with him in winter ball. But he did it every single first pitch of the game, and then from that point on, he he played his position. So 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 as a third baseman, every first pitch of a game, he he put his hands up to the sky. As the ball was being thrown to home plate. No, I'm sure that uh, had to happen where just by uh, the first pitch. Yeah, I mean, the he had a long career. So long. There right. had to be a ball get hit by him that he wasn't prepared oh, for. I would love to I would love to have someone track that down if yeah. it happened. To you know, if it never really happened. Yep. But that was, sure. It had that was, to. I mean, obviously, he had a very strange batting, batting stance that was unforgettable. That was yes. also very unforgettable. Well, that, yeah, that's what gave it away. You said Batista, Orioles. And then weird batting stance. He had the open stance with the yep, waving his bat up high. Up and down. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You don't see that often now with the weird, quote unquote, weird stances. Back in the day, even Craig Council, when he played, he had Very, a weird yes. stance. Yes. You don't see that often now. Like, you know, there were so many players back in the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s I think, that had uh, those I weird think, stances. I think velocity has a lot to do with that. Velocity's ramped up so much. You don't have as much time to have as a lot of uh, – a lot of useless movement or stuff like that. I think you've had to try to, even though the guys are swinging harder than they ever, ever have. And that, I think they've kind of toned the stances down just a little bit because you better be ready because it's coming yeah. and it's coming quick. Okay. Well, Tony Batista, I gotta, I gotta check that out. 
Uh, I'm sure there's got to be video I, of yeah, him doing it. There has, has to, be. to be. I'm very intrigued right now just to see what he did. Uh, you know, you 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 painted the picture, but I, I just want to see it because it actually happened. Because yeah. it's weird. The first time I saw it in person, I'm like, what is what is he doing? What's, What's he doing? Right. And then, like Tony, was, you got it. Yeah. Get in fielding position. <laughs> and they're like, oh no no, he does that. He does that every game, first pitch. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a weird one. Never yep. would have had that on my bingo card. Uh, Never. But all right. That's all I got for the uh, the quick pitches for you. Those are some good answers. Uh, those and some good I got, questions. I enjoyed those. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's going to wrap up uh, episode number nine on the Say Hello podcast. Uh, once again, I have to thank uh, Steve White behind the scenes, uh, our producer. If you have it, please check out his company by going online. It's root-recordings.com. Thank you, Steve White. Uh and I want to thank everyone who watched us here on YouTube at Shea Hello Media. And we're on all platforms for audio as well. If you don't want to see our mugs uh, here on YouTube, uh, anywhere, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, we're there. Shea Hello Podcast. I had fun today, Bill, like always. Uh, any last uh, thoughts, remarks? We got a week to go before the season ends. Uh, you know, it, it should be uh, bittersweet, like you said. Baseball season's always – it's always empty at the end. I will say this, though. Mets fans, watch the playoffs, man. Playoff baseball is great. It doesn't matter who's playing. And real baseball fans, watch baseball and support it to the very, very end because once it's over, we're going to be dying for it to get, be back. So watch the games. Watch the games. Pick a team you want. Root for somebody, whatever it may be, or just watch to watch. But watch. playoff. There's nothing better than playoff baseball. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Baseball will be missed when it's gone. It always is every year, you know? every year, every, it, like, every year, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so yeah. Uh, for me personally, as long as it's not the Braves or the Phillies, uh, that's I'm good. Fair enough. You know, then it rivals. It's tough. Uh, but other than that, you know, uh, if I had to pick a team and I'll ask you, I like the Brewers this year, Mark Hanna, They got the three headed horsemen as with, uh, Corbin Burns, Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Uh, that's a good three to have in the playoffs. That's my pick. Uh, that I'll root for as well, Milwaukee. I don't with I'm council. Not I, have, I don't know. I'm not going to say I have somebody that I think's going to win because I think come playoff time, anything, anything can, happen. can happen. I think I, I know you're not going to like this. I think the Braves are going to be hard to beat. I think the Dodgers are going to be hard to beat. Um, but I think anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. We saw it with the Padres last year beating two teams that won over 100 games. Yeah, so anything can okay. happen. Yeah, and that's the beauty of playoff baseball. So listen to the bill, everybody. If you're a diehard Met fan and you're just like, crap, I'm done. The season is over. We still have a whole month of baseball, October it's baseball. Gonna be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. I know it's always going to be our ball club, but it's, it's the, right. the playoff baseball is great. This is a great time of year. Obviously, nope. we want the Mets in there, but this is a great time of year. And, it, and when it's over, we're going to miss it. Absolutely. So with that being said, once again, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for thank everybody you. who watched us. Listen to us. Until next time, I wish you all a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time on the Shea Hello Podcast.